You're listening to the Sermon Podcast for the Gate Church in Lethbridge, Alberta. For more information, to contact us, or to support this ministry, please visit thegate.org. Good morning, everyone. How's everyone doing? It's awesome to see your lovely faces on this beautiful Sunday morning. Um, Last week, we began our new sermon series, which we titled A Great Cloud of Witnesses, and this series is meant to be an encouragement for us in our own faith as we go through Hebrews chapter 11, which is a chapter that reminds us of all the heroes of faith who give testimony to God's faithfulness and the truth which we find in Jesus Christ. So hopefully you'll remember as well that, that as we went through the first two passages, we also learned that biblical faith isn't wishful thinking but rather it's rooted in someone sure, in Jesus Christ. And this, therefore, gives us full assurance to approach the presence of God as well as the confidence to hope in his promises for us so that we can run the race that he's called us to run. Though, with all that being said, we have to acknowledge that I think one of the biggest hindrances for those struggling in their faith, and especially for some people in just taking that first step of faith toward God, is that lack of understanding, is their lack of understanding. And, and maybe some of you can relate to this, right? You need to have, maybe you're an intellectual type person, right? You need to have all the facts. You need to get it first. It needs to make sense logically before you believe, which has proven to be an even bigger barrier today because Many people also have this idea that faith is irrational belief without understanding or that it's belief without evidence or that faith is just that thing we cling to only when we just don't understand the science behind something, especially since this theory is propagated by renowned atheists. It's this way of thinking that causes people to place their quote-unquote faith or their confidence not in what might be unseen, but on what is seen, on what seems safer, right, on the material world, on uh, physical data and empirical evidence, as if all Christians are illogical, unthinking creatures who just need to be coddled and comforted by a pretend God or a psychological crutch simply because they don't understand or refuse to understand. Is that us? Does that sound like us? No. So in contrast to this, What's really cool about Hebrews 11.3, which is where we're going to go through, in contrast to this, understanding, the word understanding, is actually the first credible witness for faith which the author of Hebrews reminds us of. Of course, as we continue through Hebrews 11, the author will continually call, continually call to mind other witnesses of faith, like Abel and Noah and Abraham and Moses and the like, each time using the same pattern, which begins with the words, by faith. By faith, so-and-so, by faith, so-and-so. We're going to see that pattern over and over again. But yet, before he gets to them, the first by-faith statement, which we read, actually examines and brings forth the concept of our understanding as the first credible witness. Hebrews 11.3 says, By faith, we understand. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. So according to this verse, 
faith in Jesus isn't a replacement for understanding or knowledge, as some have insinuated. Rather, it's actually the doorway that gives us access to it. Do we get that? Faith in Jesus isn't a replacement for understanding or knowledge. Rather, it's the doorway that gives us access to it. And to be sure, walking by faith often means stepping into the unknown and and trusting in God's word, even when we don't understand. But that's actually the point, right? It's, It's like a child trusting their parents, even though they don't yet fully get it or know why their parents are making them do the thing that they're making them do, right? They just need to first trust their parents so that their parents can then teach them. In the same way, God calls us to walk by faith precisely so that he can then teach us and lead us into understanding. So to know the truth, we have to first have our eyes set on the truth. And the truth is that God doesn't want us to live in the dark He doesn't want us to live in ignorance. He wants us to step into the light. He wants us to use our brains and ask questions about him. He wants us to grow in our knowledge of him and of his love and in understanding in as much as we're able to, of course, since God's thoughts will always be higher than ours. Let's remember that. But it starts with submitting ourselves to him first, which scripture reminds us of again and again in many different ways. In Psalm 36, it says, In your light I see light. Or as Proverbs writes, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Or as Jesus promises his disciples in John 16, he says to them, However, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own, but he will speak what he hears, and he will declare to you what is to come. And this is the same spirit prophesied in Isaiah 11 too, that says the spirit of the Lord will rest on him, on Jesus, which is the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and strength, the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. And again, back to Proverbs, what does it say? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. In other words, faith precedes understanding. That's why baptism occurs at the beginning of one's journey of faith, not at the end, right? We submit to God in faith, and he leads us into understanding. Just as Augustine once wrote, understanding is the reward of faith. Therefore, do not seek to understand in order to believe, but believe that thou mayest understand. And I'm so stoked that I got to say that thou mayest understand. But what he's saying is you can have all the knowledge in the universe. You can have all the knowledge in in the universe. As as it says in James, even the demons believe, right? Right? They know. So you could have all the knowledge in the universe, but it's only through faith in God who created the universe that we'll be able to actually connect all the dots. And furthermore, as Anselm of Canterbury also argued, faith has direct correlation with human reason and is also what draws us to seek deeper understanding and to grow in the knowledge of God. Or a lot of people have this idea that, oh, once we believe in faith, we just, we just stay there. No, it actually, if true faith actually encourages us to keep on learning and growing. And, and, and it's true that doubt sometimes gets us to ask questions, but faith gives us both the desire 
to keep growing in the knowledge and understanding of what we believe and why, while also, while also opening up the doors to allow us to see the answers. As Anselm of Canterbury wrote about 1,000 years ago, he said, I do not seek to understand in order that I may believe, but rather I believe in order that I may understand. A more contemporary apologist, C.S. Lewis, puts it another way. I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. By faith, we understand. And by faith, we should desire to grow in our understanding as God leads us. But then what is it we ultimately are meant to understand? Well, the rest of this verse tells us, in Hebrews 11, it tells us in so many words that by faith we understand the invisible God created the visible universe by speaking it into existence. Yes, amen. Obviously, this is a callback to Genesis 1, in which we're told that in the beginning, God said, let there be light, and there was light, and it was good. Continuing, continuing with God speaking the earth and the heavens and the stars and the plants and wildlife and us humans into existence, and it was good. And over and over again, we see God forming nothingness into something. This is the God we serve. He is the creator. He is the maker of heaven and earth. And his good creation displays his glory. And he gives us purpose. And he gives us life. Why is this significant? Why is this the primary thing or the, the first thing which the author of Hebrews points us to? Why is this the, the thing primary thing which faith teaches us? Well, first of all, if God's the creator, that means that we can then be confident that our faith in him is not in vain. Because as the creator and sustainer of all things, he must care for his creation, including us. And, and furthermore, he's not bound to it like we are, but is set apart from it. And he's sovereign over it. He's in control. Nothing else, no one else holds this authority, and nothing else can give us such assurance in this world than the one who holds it in his hands. And most importantly, Scripture reminds us that this world will pass away, but it's only God, his word, which will remain forever. Hebrews 1, 10 to 12 it says, and you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish. But you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. Like a robe, you will roll them up. Like a garment, they will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will have no end. Knowing this, why would we ever shrink back in fear? Knowing this, why would we ever place our faith in something else which is sure to perish? Only God remains. Only his word which spoke the world into existence, his word which existed before the world began, only that will remain after the world is long gone. 
So as we look back and see God laying the foundation of the world, we can then look forward in confidence and in assurance of what's to come. The author of creation is surely the author of our future and our redemption. Secondly, if we understand that God created the universe by his word, as is laid out for us in in Genesis 1, that means we can also trust in his word, his teaching, and in his promises, the Bible, knowing that whatever God says will come to be. If he can just speak the world into existence, then we can trust his word that what he says will come to be. And we can also trust that whatever God creates is always good. And third, the more we understand that God spoke the universe into existence, the more we'll grasp and recognize that God meant for the universe to speak to us about him. Romans 1, 19 to 20 puts it like this. It says, For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived. How? Ever since the creation of the world, in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. The visible reveals and speaks to us of the invisible. The heavens declare the glory of God. Creation sings his praise. As the Psalms and other parts of Scripture remind us again and again. And it's our faith which allows us to listen and recognize this. To hear God speaking to us through his creation. In fact, many scientists and astrologists have come to faith or have been encouraged in their faith through studying the universe and and all its complexities and its order and its systems and its beauty and its wonder. So go outside today and, and, and look at the world around you. Take it all in and listen. Listen to it proclaim and speak to you of the glory and wonder of the one who made it all and is sovereign over all of it. Fourth, gaining an understanding that God created the universe should also cause us to bow before him in humility and awe and to submit to him even more with our worship and our whole lives. Psalm 33, 6-9. It says, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth all their host. He gathers the waters of the sea as a heap. He puts the deeps in storehouses. What's our response? Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. The more we grow in our understanding of who God is and how awesome and all-knowing he is, the more we'll trust in him and submit to him and desire to be obedient to him, even and especially in those times when we don't yet get it, when we don't yet understand fully. And I, I can testify to this personally. That there have been many times God's called me to believe something in the scriptures that I don't yet understand or to do something or say something, and so I'll, just, I'll do it. And it's not because I understand why he's calling me to do that in that moment, but because I've grown in my understanding over the years that God understands more than I do. 
So the biggest thing that we can understand in faith is that God is the creator of the universe, which means that God knows better than us. He's the creator of what we can't yet see. Again, like when I ask my kids to do something that'll be good for them, and they say, why? I say, because I know better than you. Most, mostly. God's a better father than me. He knows better than us because he created us. And that's all the understanding that we really need. When it comes down to it, that's all the understanding we really need. Which is what the Bible calls a peace beyond understanding. Especially in those times we don't get it or when we're feeling overwhelmed. Yet God doesn't stop there. Again, he wants us to get to that place of understanding, of wisdom, of knowledge. Which brings me to my final and and fifth point this morning. Knowing that God spoke creation into existence by his word should ultimately draw our gaze upon Jesus, whom both Hebrews 1 and John 1 remind us, is the Word become flesh. The Word become flesh. The Word that was with God at the beginning, through whom all the universe was created, has now been born to us in the flesh in order to rescue us from the darkness and lead us into the light of life and truth. And in order to visibly reveal to us the nature and glory of the invisible God who cares for us. This is how much God loves us and how much he truly wants us to understand, right? His very word came to us, came to dwell among us. Hebrews 1, 1 1-4 says, Long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, which we're in right now, these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. So again, to sum that up, Jesus is the word become flesh. He's the wisdom and knowledge and radiance of God, the exact imprint of his nature, which is now revealed to us, right? He's the one in whom all the world was created through and through his sacrifice at the cross for our sin. He is now therefore the heir of all things, sitting at the right hand of God as the rightful owner of everything. He now upholds the entire universe by the word of his power. Think think about that last statement. According, According to an article I read, there are an estimated 200 billion galaxies that exist in the known universe. 200 billion. That's the amount that cryptocurrency lost in the last week, 200 billion. (laughs) That's how many galaxies that exist in the known universe. Astronomers are confident that the amount of stars would surpass the amount of grains of sand that cover our earth. And Jesus is the word 
in which it came to be. And Jesus sustains it all by his word. That's incredible. And yet Jesus still humbled himself and came to us in the flesh. He came into creation, into this little seemingly insignificant ball that we live on. He came into it to die for us, to free us from sin, to teach us truth, and to fill us with his spirit who leads us into the truth. That's how much he cares for us. And it's only by faith that we can truly understand and be transformed by it because above all, it's only through Jesus that we can know God and therefore understand the great love that he has for us. John 12, 44 to 46, and Jesus cried out and said, whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. And so we believe in Jesus by faith, not only for our salvation, but so that we may grow in our understanding and in our knowledge of God and his universe and most importantly, his love for us, which it says in Ephesians is a love that even surpasses knowledge. And of course, as we set our eyes on him through the power of his spirit of wisdom and understanding, we'll grow more and more in our comprehension of his word and in our maturity and in his purpose for us as well. Just as the Apostle Paul prays for the Philippians in chapter 1, verse 9 of his letter to them, which will be our closing prayer this morning, Philippians 1, 9 to 11. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depths of insight and wisdom and understanding, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. And all God's people said, amen. Amen.